right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm so glad to see your faces here this morning. If you have been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series entitled um, Nehemiah. And before I talk about Nehemiah, I want to share with you, if you are a first-time visitor or guest here in your program, you should see something called a connection card. If it's not in your program, it's right outside these doors. Um, if you're a visitor guest, please give us as much information about yourself as you would like. We'd love to sit down and meet with you, talk with you, or at least pray with you or pray for you. Um, so please fill that out and drop that off in the offering bucket as you go by or right outside the table over there. Again, uh, we've been doing a series entitled Nehemiah. Um, forward. And so we've been talking and looking through the book of Nehemiah. We've been dealing with this concept of moving forward. What does it look like to have God on our side and to move forward? What does it look like to experience God uh, with us, in us, through us as we move forward to experience the things that he has for us? Uh, we've talked about this character in the Bible um, named Nehemiah and the things that he started to deal with. Um, he had this burden on his heart that God was uh, leading him to go uh, rebuild a wall around his city, his former city, Jerusalem. Um, he had this burden, he had this passion, and before he did any kind of movement, the first thing he did was he prayed. Uh, we talked about prayer and how important prayer is before we make any move, no matter how much we feel like we should be doing something, until God tells us to go forward, we shouldn't. And so Nehemiah gets this, this prayer in place, he starts praying, and God speaks to him and works on him, and then God grants him all of this favor, and he works through people and circumstances to get him to the place of Jerusalem where he can start looking at building the wall. And so we talked about uh, you, need to move, you have to have God's prayer, but you also need God's favor, and you need all these things working in place so that you can be successful. And so now we come to the next part of this passage of Scripture uh, with Nehemiah in chapter 3, where Nehemiah is getting ready to begin to build the wall. So he's asked God, help me uh, build the wall. He's gotten, he's prayed. God has granted him his request. He's given him favor. He's taken him down the road in the path where he needs to go. And now God has him in this position where he's about to build the wall. And that's what we're going to look at at chapter three. So I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn to the book of Nehemiah, the chapter of uh, the third chapter. Here yeah, you already on and I have a seat. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, turn to the book of Nehemiah, the third chapter. I'm going to ask you guys to flip through. It'll be on the screens as well. As you're flipping through, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Uh, dear God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Uh, we thank you for your love and your kindness, Father. Open up our hearts and our ears to receive your word, to walk in your truth, to walk victoriously and experiencing and expecting to recognize and feel you on this journey of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we read God's word. Um, Nehemiah, the third chapter, uh, verses 1 and 31 through 32. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated in the Tower of Hanel. Malachiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate. All right, you guys may be seated. You're probably reading these scriptures and thinking, well, what in the world was that about? We're going to play a game real quick. Um, we're going to play a scavenger hunt game. Um, I know you guys are excited. Everyone's really pumped up and fired up one Sunday morning at 9.48. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe a scavenger hunt game. How awesome is that? You're going to play it and like it. So here we go. Here's a scavenger hunt. If you have a pin on you, raise that pin up in the air. Oh, we got one. Awesome. If you have a, a piece of paper or notebook, loose leaf paper, raise that up in the air. Ah, I want paper. Anybody got paper? Paper, paper. Bam, I got a journal right there. 
All right, good. We got pen, paper. If you have pen and paper, good. Keep those in mind. Um, if you have um, a note section in your phone that you can click onto, you got to have it actually on the note section. You can't just hold up your phone. If you have a note section, let me see that note section. Looking for a note section. Um, okay, bam, I got a note section. That was up first. Great. Okay, now, if you have, um, if you're able to get on Wi-Fi right now, go to blue, um, blueletterbible.com. Blueletterbible.com. I need to see it held up in the air. Blueletterbible.com. If you have Wi-Fi and you're able to get to it, blueletterbible.com. Come on, somebody's got Wi-Fi. T-Mobile something. AT&T, Sprint, Mobile, blueletter.com. Bam, you got it. Awesome. Here's what I want. If you raise your hand for those things, come up to the front real quick. Oh, my gosh, come on up. Come on up, come on up. If you raise those hands with that item in your hand, come on up, come on up. You have the pen. Come on up. Here we go. You raise your hand for the item? Come on, here we go. All right, bam, 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 bam. Okay, good. I want you to, to recognize, in order for me to do a successful um, bootleg Bible study, like real quick, if somebody says, hey, you come speak at our church real quick, these are the things I'm going to need. I'm going to need a note section to write down and type down some notes. I'm going to need, at the bare minimum, blue-letter Bible, because that helps me kind of figure out some of the words a little bit better in Greek and Hebrew. I need a pen. Um, I need a paper. And what did you have on you? You have the blue-letter Bible? Okay, two times. That's great. And so I need to put all these things together to do some kind of a real quick Bible study sermon prep I can do to kind of at least get me over on that message. You guys with me? I need all of these things to put a bootleg Bible study together. If you call me over your church in the next 10 minutes and I can't pull my notes up and I can't go to one of my old home run messages, I need these things in place to put something up. Or if God puts something in my heart real quick that I haven't touched on before, these are the things that I need, the bare minimum I need to make a successful message. And then God brings the rest. You guys with me? You guys go have a seat. I want you to notice as these people go to their seat that they came from different areas within this room, within these seats. In order for you to move forward in life, you are going to be connected and need to be connected to people from various areas of life so that you can fulfill the mission and the purpose God has for you. You guys with me? In order for you to be able to reach and move forward and do tremendous and great and amazing things, you're going to need people out of the most random places in life that are going to come partner with you to do something amazing for God. You're not going to know where they always come from. You're going to know how they're going to get there. You're not even going to know that sometimes they have the resources, but those are the people that you need in place to move forward. Nehemiah is about to build a wall, and he doesn't have a full construction team with him. He has a bunch of people from all over the place of Jerusalem, and they're going to all come together for one goal and one purpose to build that wall. He doesn't know where all the help's coming from. He doesn't know who's available to help. He doesn't know if everybody has the capability to help. All he knows is that he needs people to do something successful for God, and he recognizes that in that purpose, in that fire, in that passion, in that desire that he's going to do something great, God brings along people to partner up beside him to do successful and great things. And if you have a burden on your heart, if you have a passion on your heart, if you have a desire to accomplish great things, you cannot do it alone. And as much as you believe that God is the God of the universe with all power in his hand, and he is, he does not work without us having relationship. Let me say it again. The God of the universe who has all power in his hands to raise the dead, to change lives, to fix broken situations, does not do it without you being involved in relationship with other people because God is a relational kind of operating God. 
He doesn't call you to walk around life by itself. He doesn't call you to drag and figure it out and dig deep and you'll get it done by yourself. He requires people and things to work with you to help you get to the next level. How do I know? Because in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 26, he's talking and he says, let us. He's talking to the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Jesus. Let us make man in our own image. And still in Genesis, he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be what? Alone. And so he creates a woman out of Adam and creates Eve. And therefore, there is life and there's partnership. From the very beginning, there's always been partnership in the Bible. And when you read through the Bible, when you get into some of the Old Testament, you start dealing with what life was like in heaven before there was man, you'll see that there was angels that worshiped and that God connected with what? Partnership and relationship. If you're going to reach your destiny, your goal, what God has for you, if you're going to move forward, you're going to need partnership. And for the next couple of moments, I want to share with you four points of critical partnership you're going to need in order to move on and be successful in life. Are you guys ready? Ah! All right, let's try it anyway. You're going to need four critical parts, components to be successful in following and walking out a God-ordained purpose and mission. You're going to need these four characters, these four people in place to help you be successful in partnership and moving forward where God has for you to go. Here's the first thing you need. Nehemiah 3, verse 1, 17, 22, and 28. We're not reading all those verses because I pass out myself. We're just going to read the first two. You'll get the idea. You need godly leadership or God's leadership. Here you go. Check out these verses. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Benai. You're going to see through this whole chapter 3 that it's just a list of names and a list of people that have different jobs that all come together for one specific purpose. Did you guys catch that? When you read chapter 3 the first time, you're going to be like... What is this? Can we get to chapter 4? It's nothing but what people do, and that they all came together. They belonged to somebody. They were somebody's son, somebody's daughter. They all came and built the wall. Big deal, chapter 3. No, the importance of chapter 3 are there are different people who have different positions and different jobs and different duties that came together for one common purpose. This is the priests. These are the Levites. These are the people that take care of God's church. These are people to preach God's messages, and they came to work on the what? Wall. They didn't come to work on the church. They didn't come to work on, on, a, on somebody's car. They, didn't come to, they came to work with one mindset to do one thing, and that's to work on their wall. They may not have been qualified or skilled to work on the wall, but the gifts that they brought, they brought it to come to do the job that needed to be done on the wall. This priest, these leaders, they came, these Levites, they came, and they decided, you know what? We're going to put our all into this mission because we understand, Nehemiah, you have a goal, and because you have a goal, we're going to be invested in your goal, and we're going to bring whatever we have to this project. And think how significant it is to see the men of God who were supposed to be working on the church, who were supposed to be dealing with church things, put their church things aside and say, you know what, we're dedicated to your cause and your purpose. We're going to help you be successful in building the wall, the vision that you have. If you're going to move forward, you need some godly leaders in your life. You need some pastors. You need some, some elders. You need some leaders in small group. You need some people that are on your side that can walk with you, that are proud of you, that want to help you out, that want to pray for you, that want to encourage you, that want to love on you, that want to give you wisdom on how to execute your plan. And if you've got a plan or a call or a passion in life and you're not connected to godly leaders, that's a very difficult situation. Because Nehemiah has godly leaders that are helping him build the wall. 
You have a dream, don't hide that dream. Take that dream and share it with leaders so that they can give you insight, so that they can pray with you, so they can partner with you, so they can give you direction on how to move forward. Godly leadership gives you instruction on what the plan is, what the purpose is, what the direction is, how you ought to proceed moving forward with God. You need godly leaders to help you accomplish your goal. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen this morning, but it's all good. He says godly leaders are connected to the process of Nehemiah and building the wall. Point number two, you also need some government workers. Oh, Lord. There we go. Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 7, 9, 14, 16, 19. We're not reading all of this. We're going to just read the first two. Check this out. Next to them were Maliah from Gibeon, Jaden from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, people from Mizpath, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Rephiah, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem. As you go through in all these other verses that are up here, you're going to see somebody that's related to somebody that's a leader of this district, of this district, of this district, all those verses we put up there. You're going to see that basically all these leaders have come together to help build the wall. They're good with parliament. They're good with discussions. They're good with planning. They're good with all these things, and they're putting their abilities, their gifts somewhat to the side, but also applying that to build the wall. Why do you need this government leader or this concept of these people that are in leadership, um, these people that that take uh, plans and move forward? Because you need people that understand policy and procedure. Did y'all catch that? Can you imagine putting a wall together around a huge, huge, huge place? You're going to need people that say, no, 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 there's a process, there's a protocol, there's direction, there's instruction, this is what you need to do, this is time management, you guys will work the shift too long, you guys will. You need people that can put policy and procedure together in order to accomplish your goal. No matter how much you have a dream and a passion, you need people to help give you guidelines and instructions on how to get it done. No matter how much God's given you all the insight on what needs to be done, you still need people to help you walk out the process of how to get it done. Are you guys with me? Policy and procedure, you need people that can help you structure and organize what it is that you want to do. We brought this guy, Marty, on, who's our executive director. He lives in policy and procedure. He breathes policy and procedure. There's a policy and procedure probably for him to get dressed. I put $28 on it, and I guarantee there's like a brush the teeth, add moisturizer. Comb the hair, put on glasses. Pull up the pants, extra. He's got a whole policy and procedure for everything. I know it. Marty is a policy and procedure person. We need policy and procedure in our church. Marty, every time we do something that doesn't seem right, Marty goes, and you can hear it echo through the whole place. Because we didn't follow policy and procedure. And we need those things in place in order to reach the goal. In order to be successful, you need people that can help you plan, help you lay out policy and procedure, give you guidance and direction. I'm glad that you have a purpose. I'm glad that you have a desire. I'm glad that you have a dream. You have somebody in your team that's helping you lay out and map out how to get there. Because a lot of times when we get a dream, we want to do it what? Our way. And just because you have a dream doesn't mean you're supposed to do it your way. God has a way. Utilize the people that are around you to reach the goal in a way that God is honored, in a way that's done in decency and in order, and is pleasing to the Lord. Policy and procedure. I got a kid playing football right now, and his team ain't doing too great. You guys with me? I got another kid who has on a football team, and his team ain't doing too great. It's a tough season. Got a lot of injuries on one team. The other team, the other team is just not that great. 
they weren't great last year. And I knew they weren't going to be great this year. But this one kid told me, no matter what, I want to be on this team. And I said, you need to go to another team because this team ain't the team. And he said, I want to be on my team because I've been on this team forever. I said, son, this is not the team you want to be on. I want to be on this team forever. I said, I promise you, you get on this team, the best your record is going to be is two and six. No way. We're going to be awesome. All right. I've been coaching a long time. I know. I know what good coaches look like. I know what good teams look like. I coached your team last year. We weren't that great. I know what you got. Two and four. Two games to go. Policy and procedure. You need people in place that can see the big picture and scale you out a plan to move forward. You guys with me? We got this one organization that says, hey, listen, I don't care if your kid's team is two and four. We'll take them right now. Their team is five and six. I'm sorry, five and oh. We're the top of the, we're the, top of the championship right here. We're going to the championship. We want your kid. I said, well, that's great, but we're already on a team. Aren't all the teams locked? I said, yeah, but if you say you moved into this area in the last two weeks, we can put them on the team. Oh, man, that sounds good. I want to go, I want to go five and oh. I want to go to the playoffs. Y'all already the top team in the whole conference? Yeah. And we're trying to get the states. Just bring them on over here. Really? Teams are already locked. Really? We'll just say that there's a rule. If he's brand new to the area, we can put him on the team. Just say you moved here three weeks ago. Really? Oh, who doesn't want to be 5-0? and oh? Who doesn't want to get to the championship? Policy and procedure says we got to do things in a way that's in decency and in order. And you know what the loser dad is doing? You want to go to their practice? You want to go to that other team's practice? You want to check out that other practice? Man, they're 5-0, baby. Don't you want to win? You know what the son said? I want to do it next year. Don't you want to win now? I want to do it next year. He's exercising more morals and control than his father. I'm the freaking pastor. Rosie did her job. <laughs> I just want to win, baby. <laughs> I want some W's. I want a playoff. That's what I want. <laughs> and I got that one kid who's basically saying, I'll do it next year. Doesn't fully know why, but he understands policy and procedure. There's protocol. That team's already winning, and they want you right now. And that kid says, policy and procedure, let's do it a certain kind. You need people, when you're excited about making the next big move, that somebody can constantly say, no, do it the right way. But I want to, no, do it the right way. You need people in your life that's going to help you reach your goals in a way that pleases and honors God. Amen, Pastor. You're welcome. Policy and procedure. You need government kind of worker mentality people that can get in the game, lay out the plan, say stick to the plan. I know you want to variate. Stick on it. Go this direction. You need people to tell you how hard you need to work and when you need to take a break. You need people in place that are going to sit your tail down and say you're doing it wrong, you're looking wrong. You need people in your place that are going to say you're going the right direction. Let's keep planning ahead. In fact, I know somebody that can help us in this area. I never thought about this area. Don't worry about it. I did because that's what I do. They brought somebody else along and they're pushing the train along. 
You need people to help you do policy and procedure. You need government working mentality on your team. Not only do you need that, but point number three, you need guys and girls. This is critical. Point number three, guys and girls, verse number 12, hear this out. Shalom, son of Halohesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. Here is a leader of one of these government kind of things who understands policy and procedure. I want you guys to catch this. He's a leader that understands policy and procedure. He understands protocol, rules, what should be and what shouldn't be allowed. In this time period, women are not allowed to do a lot of things. They have a certain role that they have been um, have figured out that that's what they're supposed to work. They're supposed to cook, clean. They're supposed to do a little bit of some gardening, a little bit of, of, of getting some wheat. They're supposed to sow, feed the kids, feed the husband. That's your job. You got it? He understands policy and procedure because that is his role as a leader. Women do not do physical labor. Most, you know, in, in the regard of, of, of what they're supposed to be doing in this time period, you know, besides like, you know, grabbing the water and fixing food, they're not supposed to be building walls and stuff. The leader grabs his daughters and says, we're going to build the wall. He is breaking a lot of policy and protocol, but he understands in order to get the mission accomplished, we need to sometimes change our view so that we can be successful. For you to say that this is a man's thing, and so us men are going to do us man thing, that's, that's no. Mm -mm. God requires us to say, listen, outside of that scope of this is a man's word, this is a man's word, outside of that scope, he says, we're supposed to come together and put things together. We need everybody involved in this concept of moving forward. We need everybody involved in this concept. This breaks down this gender, women over here, guys. says, no, for, to, to accomplish this goal, we're going to need some people in place to get things done. Male or female, we're not going to segregate. We need to get the job done so arrogant to think that only, only a man can do it. And don't be so arrogant to think only another woman would understand the emotion. You, everybody needs everybody to make this shift work. Whew. In order to be successful in God's kingdom, he made man and woman to work together to advance the move. I'm doing premarital counseling, and the hardest part of premarital counseling every time is when we get to the subject in our book that deals with the roles of a man and a woman. It's a fight. Woman comes into premarital counseling, and she tosses the book across the table at me at Chick-fil-A. And I ask every time when we get into each chapter of our book, I say, okay, listen, here are our chapters. What is there anything that jumped out at you that you want to talk about? And everybody says, well, you know, in chapter 3, page 45, when it comes to that section, she got notes. She got a stack of notes with a binder clip on it. She's ready to go. How was your day? So and so, oh, it was fine. How was your day? It's great, great. Are you ready to talk? Yeah. So let me tell you what I got a problem with. I didn't even ask you. What jumped out is you in chapter 7, you already got a problem. Every time I do free marital counseling, it's that chapter. Because we have this concept that, uh, uh, and I try to tell everybody, marriage is a partnership. And moving forward, God gives man and a woman roles, but they are very much on point and together to move the ship forward. 
And it's understanding that God gave man a role, he gave woman a role, and both roles are very significant and important to move forward. Don't get caught up in, this is my role. Guess what? All of these government officials and leaders and priests and Levites, they all could have said, I have a role. I'm not doing nothing else outside my role. But yet and still, they all put their stuff aside to come use their gifts and talents in different ways to help put the wall up to move the agenda forward. Stop getting caught up on, you have a role, so I'm not supposed to cross my line of the role. Get over that. We're a team. We're working together. We're moving this ship forward. We all have roles, and sometimes those roles need to bend so that we can move the ship forward. And we have somebody that's a leader that understands, you know what, in order to do work, sometimes we got to bend some things to get work done. Y'all catch that? Stop being so rigid. This is a man's thing. This is a woman's thing. This is us moving forward thing. And so because we're on that mentality, we can move the ship along a lot better. You need guys and girls to get that dream to be accomplished. Here's the fourth and final point for you. You need some go-getters on your team. Verses 7, 31, and 32 highlight these go-getters. Check this out. Next was Uzziah, son of Harahiah, a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Malachiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repair the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. You have people that by profession, their job is just to go make a dollar. You get me? You know, the priests get taken care of, the Levites get taken care of, the government officials get taken care of, the people that work for the government officials get taken care of, and you got the goldsmith, and you have the perfume maker. And their job is based upon they got to get up in the morning, they got to make their stuff, they got to hit the corner and sell. You got it? They got to hit the corner, they got to work hard, they got to sell, they got to hustle, they got to get this thing done. The goldsmith is in there, you got to bring, I'm dependent on people bringing me stuff so I can make them stuff. People give me an order, I'm on demand. You give me a call, boop, boop, I'm up three in the morning, I'm doing, I got to do it, I'm on the go. They're go-getters, they're on the demand, they're on the call. You need some go-getters on your team in order to be successful. If you got all these government officials and all these priests and guys and girls and nobody's excited about moving the mission along, nobody's coming up with great ideas of how to get it done, you're not going to get very far. Like even though you have the dream and the passion desire, you need people that are like, I'm going to do everything I can do. You got goldsmiths building to one side of the temple. You got people building to one side of the gate. They are pushing and moving and advancing the ship. You need go-getters on your team. If you don't have go-getters on your team, you're not going to go very far. I need people to wake me up in the morning and say, hey, listen, what are you excited about doing today? Coffee. I'm excited. All right, after coffee, what are you trying to do? Uh, I need go-getters. I need you to rise and shine. Let's move. Let me give you instruction. Let me cheer you up. Let me pump you up, and let's figure out how we're going to get it done. We're going to charge hell with water pistols. Are you ready? Why? They're water pistols. What are you going to do? Don't worry, God. Fear. We need go-getters. We need people to push us and shove us and move us. We need people that are excited about the mission when you're not sometimes. These are the people you need involved in your life to help you move forward and advance the plan God has given you. 
if you're looking through this checklist and you start saying, well, I don't have a go-getter on my team, or I don't have somebody that's, that's going to be organizing or structure on my team, if you don't have some golly people giving you insight and wisdom, if I don't have some, some, some people with open mentalities, guys and girls trying to make this thing happen, you're not going to be very successful advancing that wall. You will have some success, but you need everybody to play a part. And for all of you all to say, listen, I'm a spiritual person. I know people. I've been doing ministry almost 20 years. I'm the ministry guy. You want to call me, we'll set up a prayer time. You want to call me, we'll talk. I'll, I'll make time to meet with you. Facebook, I'm that guy. That's what I do. I, I know people, baby. I've been doing it for 18 years, almost 20 years. I got this. Rose and I got married, and she gave me her insight, and I say, I've been doing this for 20 years. You don't know nothing, girl. Man, did I. <laughs> Sat down in the corner one day when my feelings was hurt, trying to do ministry. And I said, you know, if I had just listened to my wife, I didn't say that out loud because I'm, I'm not a sucker, Glenn. I said to myself, if I had listened to my wife, that might have gone differently. You know what I do? The first person I talk to every time. And I say, I'm so mad, I'm going to handle it this way, this way. It says, that sounds great. I think everything you said, you should say it just like that. But you should soften your tone. I ain't softening no tone. I'm, I'm a coach. I'm a, I'm a rah, rah. And she said, you need to soften your tone. Say so everything you need to say to soften your tone. What does that mean, soften your tone? I soften my tone. It worked great. I bit the inside of my cheek talking on that phone with that person. Probably blood came out. I might have lost a whole pint. I don't know. Chewed up my tongue and softened my tone, and it got through. And I realized no matter how much, I'm a spiritual pastor. She's a people person. So I'm going to yield to the people person. I want the ship to go forward. So even though you may be the person that says, hey, I'm the government guy on my list, you're still going to need other government people on your list. I'm guy and girl guy. I'm all open. Yeah, you need to let some other people help bring along the path and the journey to get it done. I'm a go-getter. I'm a motivator. Let's do it, baby. And, and you need to slow down and have some policy and procedure on how to go get it done. So even if you are one of these cheap, top people, because when you read through this passage of Scripture, you'll see that Nehemiah is actually one of the leaders of a district to some extent, and he's coming out here to lead and build the wall. He's the one God gave the dream to, but he also is smart enough to let other people that have other insight and wisdom come help build the wall so they can move forward. Even the leader understands I need to also sub submit, oh, there's a word, submit myself to other leaders. Everyone's like, how does the church operate? We got a little thing on the, on the website you can check out. There's an elder board and the pastor's on the elder board. That's me. And then we have, like, the pastor and executive director. You got this whole flow chart. And what's crazy is, as much as I am on the elder board, I'm also not fully on the elder board. Did y'all get that? As much as I get to say policy and procedure and I get to say, God told me that we should go and part the waters, even though I feel that way, every time I ask my elders, what do y'all think about that? And as one elder, sometimes it's just kind of, well, you know, God, I don't. <laughs> and I kick over a chair. I just want to go get it done. And if somebody wants to be wiser 
and more spiritually in tune. And why do we have to wait? I just want to do it. You know what I'm saying? I just want my win now. I want it now. I want my playoff win now. And they're like, no, just wait. Well, let's, figure, let's talk about this some more. Why don't we ask the whole church? We don't need to ask the church. That's why they gave us. We're the people in charge. I asked the church. Ah! Their opinions. And I still humble myself to our leadership. I may hate it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I hate it some days. I just want to go, baby. And I say, no, policy, procedure. Marty, I got this brand new idea, man. Let's take the mission money and we'll go, we'll put it here and think of all of Jesus that will be. And Marty says, policy, time out, time out. Yeah, fire that guy. Yeah, get rid of him. Stupid policy and procedure. (laughs) You need these people to be successful. I flipped this all the way back to our church. Listen, you may not necessarily be called to work in kids' ministry or set up ministry or, or work on the band or whatever it is that you. Everybody came together and brought something to the table. At any moment, the priest could have said, Hey, I'm a priest. That's not what I do. Share the gospel, not get the tables. It's not what I do. You know what the priest did? Hopped up on that ladder, started building that wall. Hey, I'm a teacher, but I don't want to. I teach Monday through Friday. Lord knows I don't want to teach on Sunday. That's not what the teacher did. The teacher hopped up on that wall. Got some mortar, got some brick, got to work. You understand, I got 12 kids in my house. I didn't tell you to make all them babies. That's not my problem. Maybe if you've been doing church, you would have been making all the babies. Hello. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> I want to help out in kids' ministry. I got 12 kids. Need your help. On Sunday, I'll do my get on in there. You see what I'm saying? We need everybody to make this plan work, not just for church, but in your own personal lives to reach the goals God has for you. You've got to realize your title is important. It's not important, more important than God's purpose. I am, brother, I'm preaching. You know what's great about this story? We'll find out in a few weeks. They built the wall. You know what they did after they built the wall? They went back to their regular jobs. This wall is not a forever project. This Bay Bridge on Fridays feels like a forever project. I got people camping out in Annapolis Mall, like, I'll just figure it out. <laughs> just, just, they're, I'll figure it out. I'm going to go ahead and just mission barbecue and go to two movies and, you know, 10 o'clock. I'll cross. This bridge, as annoying as it is, it's not a forever project. Some things God is calling you to be hooked up and, and joined to and invited to and to be a part of, you may not want to do it. But it's not a forever project. But in order to help people advance, I'm willing to give you some of my time. In the church, in his life, in her life, I'm willing to give you a little time to advance the project. You guys with me? Some of these people that built the wall, they weren't gate people. But they built as much of that wall as they could when they got to the gate, and hey, (laughs) that's it. That's all I got. I'm not a gate person. But could you imagine they said, I don't know nothing about no gates. 
And I don't know nothing about no walls. Ah, they'll figure it out. No, they jumped in where they could. They put the work in. You need people that can help you reach the goal. Here's the final thing I want to share with you, your takeaway. This is critical to the entire message. Your takeaway. You need faithful people to move forward. You catch that? The worst kind of people to get on your team are go-getters that don't go very far. I'll say that again. The worst kind of people to get on your team are go-getters that don't go very far. Those are the people that are excited. Oh, I'm, you, sign me up for can I? Can we talk? Can I use your example? Yesterday, at our, we had our lead meeting. Just for example, don't worry about it. I got it. It was a beautiful thing. I was like, "Thank you, God." This is why we have these meetings. We have, we have a leadership meeting. We're talking. We're having dinner. And so she was telling me because you do real estate. You were telling me that one of her biggest things is when there are people in the house. They're like, "We're going to put a, a, a baby crib here, and we're going to paint this wall, and we're going to tear this paint." They're so excited about moving in. Those are the people that generally don't buy the house. Y'all catch that? They're doing so much talking. Oh, we're going to renovate and put mold here, crown mold here. And we're going to blah, blah, blah. And they got all these plans and they do all this talking while she's walking through the house. And she says she can pretty much tell that just about every time a person comes in with all that talk, those are the people that aren't going to buy the house. The people that buy the house are generally the ones that are kind of quiet, reserved. They're the serious people. That's what she says to me, right? Bam. You need to have go-getters on your team. You need to make sure they are faithful to the cause. You need to have planners on your team, these government leaders and worker people. They got policy and procedure, but they are in the process of understanding this is not just a job. It's an undertaking. Y'all got that? Undertaking. I'm invested in the long-term process. Get you some pastors or some leaders, some people that are concerned about you, that they are there, but they also have time for you. I have been involved in some churches where I am, I'm on, I'm on staff, baby. I get 10 cents every Sunday. I'm on staff. I'm getting paid. And they can't, they can't call, meet, talk, nothing. And I'm, I'm on your staff. What are you doing with regular people? We sit down and grab a sandwich. Can we, if we can't do a sandwich, can you, sit, can you at least email me, text me, something? Everybody, everybody in leadership can't communicate to the level of meeting you every single day, but, man, we got to be able to have some kind of connective something. After a while, Glenn, I can't talk to you anymore. Let me pass you off to Marty. I got 30 other people. Marty got six. Go to Marty. At least I'm willing to connect with you and channel you in a different direction. And then because I'm a leader and I got other stuff going on, can I come back to Marty in three weeks and say, hey, did you talk to Glenn? I sent him to you. You didn't talk to him. Hold on. That's exactly what you have. Bing! That's what happens. Because I done put both of them on a Facebook group message, and I said, hey, Marty and Glenn, I need you guys to talk things out for a little bit, so I want you guys to connect and contact. All right, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm off doing my pastor thing again. But what did I do? I took enough time to what? Because I'm committed to you being successful. I want you to move forward. If you don't have people that aren't faithful to you being successful and faithful to the vision, get them off your ship. <laughs> you heard that again? Bing! I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on it. Connect people. Bring them together. I mean, you need faithful people that are involved in moving the plan forward. You need all of those people that we mentioned, but you need to evaluate are they faithful enough to help you move forward. Too many go-getters, and y'all don't get to go too far because they hopped off the ship. 
You incorporated all these guys and girls, but they weren't all the faithful people, and they kind of derailed the plans. Faithful people to move the plan forward. As the band comes up to pray, and you guys really think about this message, let's pray real quick. Um, Father God, I ask you right now to just be with us, give us wisdom, give us insight that you, Father, would bring along the right people to connect and move forward this church, to connect forward and move forward our visions, our purpose, our plan, they line up with your will. Father, give us wisdom, give us insight to be the men and women of God that accomplish great things for you. For all those that want to volunteer, for all those that pop in our head that seem like great folks, let's take a few more moments to sit down and evaluate, are these the people you would so desire? We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.